Hello, and welcome to The Canadian Story, where we discuss what Canada is, what Canada could be, and what Canada should be. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Canadian Story. Thank you so much for being here. Today, we are joined by a man by the name of Max Daigle. Max, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Zach. So, Max, if you could go ahead and brief your background so that people know who they're listening to, that would be awesome. All right. Well, uh, academically, my background is electrical engineering. Um, and I was also injured by the inoculation uh, for H1N1 uh, back in 2009. I uh, had a severe adverse event. I almost died uh, from it. And... Um, and yeah, I, uh, I've been struggling with that injury ever since. I almost died again five years ago from it, so I get flare-ups. Um, I'm originally from New Brunswick, and uh, I'm also the founder and the president of CARES, the Canadian Adverse Event Reporting System that is independent from government control. So let's talk about CARES. Let's start there. What is CARES? When did you, fe- like, when did you start it, um, and why did you start it? Well, we, uh, when we, we, when we started hearing in, in, uh, in, um, in the summer of 2021, that there was a lot of doctors that were trying to report adverse events and they were not being successful. And there was this argument that, that you know, that this, these lines of saying that the, um, the inoculations were potentially not as safe as the government or public health had, were, were telling us, uh, and just like what I said, being that doctors were not being able to report their, 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 their opinions that they, there was adverse events of their patients, uh, how are we going to be able to d- display that if there is a very uh, severe safety issue with these inoculations for COVID-19, how are we going to be able to display it when the government controls all the data, all the reports? So I, I tried to reach out to a lot of people to try to, uh, with, with, you know, different uh, expertise to be able to, uh, you know, to, to launch this. And I knew a lot of people were suffering, having adverse events, uh, not being validated by their medical doctors, uh, which was, you know, a, another aspect of it. But to go back, uh, you know, it took a while, it took a few months, but I was able to recruit uh, nurses that worked in the private sector under contractors uh, for many years, they were giving new biologics out to the public and having actual active surveillance, which we'll, we can get into later on. So it, it took a while, and then they helped create the forms. So once we created the forms, uh, we launched December 2nd, 2021. Um, and uh, from there, we, we started having reports in New Brunswick. Uh, that's originally where, where we launched it. And I, I tried to have other individuals, other doctors, other professionals to be able to basically, hey, like, this is what we created, right? If we want to, you know, have some counter data to be able to to go against, you know, Health Canada, we have to have something at a professional level. So nobody was, everybody was so busy. I reached out to some doctors that you may have heard of. Uh, I'm not going to drop their names, but they were too busy. And then, uh, then we approached the Canadian COVID Care Alliance, uh, mid-January, and uh, we proposed what we had, and uh, they said, Max, like uh, you're you're the right fit for for it because 
you know what it is to have an adverse event and nobody listening to you and you got to lead it. Like I was ready to basically pass it over to them, uh, what we had created. Uh, but they said, no, you got to lead it. So uh, from there, we just launched nationally and uh, almost a year in, this is, this is what we're still doing. When you originally started hearing that doctors were having trouble getting adverse, adverse event reports, to where they needed to go. Where was that coming from? Were you speaking to doctors directly or how, how did that information come across your desk? Well, I, you know, being a little bit active in the past, like I'm not afraid to pick up the telephone. I'll call anyone, whether it's a politician, a lawyer, a, a, a medical doctor. Like I, I, I see everybody as, as equals. So I, I don't feel intimidated to call people like that. Um, so I, I started calling medical doctors in New Brunswick that were speaking out a little bit even the ones that weren't, to try to get their perspective, right? It's all, it's all about investigation, right? And uh, I started hearing from them that they were trying and they were not successful. The college in, in New Brunswick, College of, of, of uh, Surgeons and Physicians in New Brunswick were, were you know, uh, were basically telling them to, you know, uh, not speak up, not say anything, not do anything that goes against uh, what they were told to do. And uh, I started reaching out to doctors outside of New Brunswick Again, I won't drop their names, but uh, they were seeing the same thing. And there was, you know, videos that were going around that of doctors speaking out also that they were not able to uh, successfully report adverse events. And they were struggling with that, right? Okay, so here's maybe an important question. What is the government's infrastructure for reporting adverse events and why did it seem to not be working? Well, the, 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 uh, the current system... Uh, it, it's a mixed bag, just like government, big government. You have a lot of uh, bureaucracy and a lot of, you know, uh, different uh, aspects of it. But there's the AEFI uh, system uh, and there's CAFIS, uh, uh, which uh, the way basically it works is a medical doctor has to, uh, if they want to report an adverse event, which takes a lot, a, lot, a lot of time compared to what they have in the U.S. and VAERS, they'll have to, to fill up that, that, that report sending out send it to local public health if it gets accepted there goes up to provincial or territorial public health uh, and from there if it's accepted there then it goes to aefi to get accepted within health canada now it's it's it, it, there's a big chain of it without even actually seeing the individual and analyzing the situation to see if it should be reported or not. It's just based on the documentation that the medical doctor writes up and then they look at it. And sometimes it's just a nurse that will be looking at that documentation within public health or AEFI to say yay or nay to report it or not. So it's not a very efficient system, mm -hmm. right? So you're, they're not actually, um, looking at the patient, looking at, at the history, looking at every detail to see if it should be reported. And at the same time, within Canada in 2014, there's a certain law that was passed called generally known as Vanessa's Law that basically states in there that any possible, important word, adverse event must, important word, be reported. So if they can't prove that it's not an adverse event, that is not related to the vaccine or the inoculation for COVID-19, they should be reporting it. And they're perhaps not. <laughs> well, 
Well, in some cases, for sure, they're not because from the numbers that we're seeing, that's that's not that's that's the reality. Okay, so the the infrastructure on the government side is multi-tiered and isn't focused on actually being with the patient. It's just focused primarily on paperwork and that paperwork being passed multi- through multiple layers of, of doctors to see if it's going to be accepted as a, a realistic report. Yeah. How, how does CARES do this differently? Well, it's, 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 it's not perfect. Let's be honest, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not about, you know, um, uh, exaggeration of, of any kind. Uh, but at the same time, what we're doing in some capacity is better than what they are doing. Now, one thing that we're doing that we that the government side is not doing is that we're not discriminating. If the individual thinks that they had an adverse event, they're welcome to report to us. Now, from that point, what we do is I was able to recruit 40 to 50 healthcare practitioners, nurses, chiropractors, physiotherapists, dentists, medical doctors, retired and still practicing scientists that have experience of documenting medical information to contact them and, 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 and double check what they told us and get some clarification and be able to get some more extra information from a professional point of view to be, be, to, to be able to put it in the in, in, in the database. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the reasons for that is from the get-go and, and having experience being around politics and that, and, and, and that kind of stuff before is that one question I realized, you know, a year ago uh, was that, well, okay, well, if ever we would get it to a point that we would get to a class action lawsuit uh, against whoever or having an inquiry, a commission, because I was always... Uh, vocal for the last few years that we need to have public debates. We need to have an inquiry of some sort to be able to have both sides of the expertise at the table, whether it's law, medical field, scientific field, and people that are affected by by the the the, uh, the, the measures and and whatnot, uh, and and discuss it. So when I realize when I start thinking about this, I said, well, okay, if we uh, if we get reports from people without discrimination, one thing that a, a lawyer in a court case or at inquiry a commissioner might bring up is say, well, how do you know that these are valid individuals? How do you know these are not fake reports? And how do you, how do you justify, uh, okay, well, you're doing follow-up interviews, right? So how are you going to be, like, who is doing these interviews? Is it somebody that has no experience in the medical field that's doing that because if we would just would have had just anybody even myself uh which i i i don't do follow-up interviews uh would do so well they would say well how do you how, what what's your expertise in this right how do you how can you justify that this is possibly at least a, a, an adverse event so i always try to be prepared to step ahead to make sure that Whoever came after us and whatever would be presented in a court case or at an inquiry, that this information was as, as, as at a professional level, not just hearsay, right? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so you've, so remind me, 
you've been collecting information for over a year now? About a year. About a year? Almost almost a year. We launched December 2nd. Okay. Yeah, so, so we're almost at 11, 11 months. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Um, so of the information that you have compiled, mm-hmm. what kind of signals are you seeing? Okay. Um, well, um, again, like I told you, I try to keep things at as professional as possible. Always, 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 always. Now we're, we're, we're in the process of getting some medical data analysts to be able to analyze the data at a professional level to be presented in courts and at, 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 uh, at an inquiry if possible, right? But some small signal that I can tell you that is very clear is that well over 90% of the reports that we're getting uh, have not been successfully reported to AEFI. <laughs> so if we look at the AEFI system and we have well over 50,000 reports that went in, and we're seeing between 90 to 95% of the reports that we're getting that were verified by, by healthcare practitioners, health intake facilitators that we call them in, in, within cares for legality reasons, uh, that would mean possibly, and I'm not saying it's the truth, right? It would need to be investigated, but it could be as, as much as 10 to 20 times the number that they were showing us. There may be people walking around that are maybe injured or maybe had an effect of, of having some type of medical condition prior to the inoculation of COVID-19, and it just made it worse, which mm-hmm. we, you probably heard some of those stories also, right? So if that is the case, that we're seeing 90 to 95% of the reports that we're getting have not successfully been reported, either they've made it to the medical doctor accepting that it should be reported and get denied by public health or EFI, this is what we're seeing. So we had Dr. McCullough on yesterday and we were discussing adverse effects and my, 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 ah, the stuff that happens to your heart. I can't say the crazy medical term, but you know, a homeschooler from Alberta. But the truth of the matter is he's, he's laying out for us a very, a very scary reality that COVID and the vaccine seem to be playing off of each other. Right. The idea here is the spike protein gets pushed even more by the vaccine, but that COVID also has these same inflammatory problems that we're encountering across the spectrum. Now, when you're talking to health professionals about the inflammatory stuff that's happening, the, the vaccine injuries, sometimes paralysis, a good friend of ours and friend of the podcast, Drew Weatherhead, he, uh, he has a podcast called the Social Disorder Podcast. His sister, vaccine injured, they, for a year and a half, they tried to get it proven by the health authorities and they wouldn't prove it. Are you seeing a lot of, of that pushback from the medical community against people who have so obviously been injured and, and professionals will say they are, but the government's like, no, you don't get put in the statistics. A lot of it. A lot, a lot. And it, it's not just government. It's a lot of medical doctors and I, I've experienced it myself and it's not fun to experience a lot in I I've got to know a lot of the people that reported to us, right? Or, you know, like they, they got, a lot of them had nowhere to turn, right? It, it's just, it's it just, it's sad. It, it's it's not right. It's very cruel what these people are going through, right? Like you go, you, you trust a system, you trust your medical doctor, you know, all your life. And all of a sudden you're told to do something or coerced into something because most of them did not want to take it that reported to us. And all of a sudden, you know, you go to get help. 
and they won't even treat your symptoms and they tell they tell them it's all in your head right and some of them are even ridiculed by by their their you know medical doctor their family physicians right now right right like the system is so broken there's no ethics no at all you know medical doctors should be should be taught about ethics there should be the colleges should be investigating uh you know making sure the medical doctors follow a, a real strict code of ethics especially when you have something that's experimental still in in, in phase three in, in clin of clinical trials right it, it, there's in, and and to that point there is no active surveillance and even within the movement right even within you know like I'm not going to drop names, but you've you've talked to 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 doctors, medical doctors, scientists, whatnot, that have you know been vocal about a lot of stuff. But who is talking about active surveillance? Like nobody. active nobody. nobody, right? There should be active surveillance, given that this is still an experimental phase. Okay, so everybody that basically takes the inoculation, if the government wanted to do the proper thing, and let's say let's let's put all the divisive and this stuff aside and say, let's say the government wanted to do the right thing. Okay. And public health wanted to do the right thing. And the colleges wanted to do the right thing. And family physicians wanted to do the right thing. They would have came together at some point, you know, even if they, it did not click right away and say, you know what? Like we, we've never used mRNA technology on, 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 on humans. Okay. Uh, we've never had a successful uh, rollout of, 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 of inoculations for a coronavirus. So maybe let's have some active surveillance where we'll, where everybody that takes the inoculation, which they were, they were easily being able to put things in place for a uh, vaccine passport. So let's have a system where we have active surveillance, where we actually, everybody that takes the inoculation, we do a we 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 check with them, or we open a line where they can contact us if they have any concerns of a possible adverse event, and to be able to monitor in real time what is actually happening, to see if there's any safety signal popping up. But nobody's been doing that, and very very few. There's, you know, not to 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 prop myself up, but I've been vocal about that for a few months, and. I, I, one of the doctors within CARES uh, brought, up, brought that up to me a few months ago, and he was like, it, it was not clicking in. And after a while, I'm like, holy shit. I said, I said, I said you're right. Yeah. Like, nobody's talking about this. How important it should have been to be put in place to have an active surveillance system within this, this, this rollout of this, this experiment, experimental inoculation for COVID-19. Why, yeah. why not? That's crazy. We built ArriveCan and we built the infrastructure yep. for the passport to keep people out of places who weren't going along. But yep. we couldn't build an app that simply is, hey, I feel like I'm feeling something that I shouldn't be here in my symptoms. And then that's followed up with a call from a doctor. Like, hey, what's yep. going on? Are you okay? Can we talk about what's happening? Yeah, like, exactly. We, we built, all, we built all of these other systems. <laughs> yep. And, and exactly, right? You, you go to a mechanic and you get your car serviced. Right, and a, a lot of a lot of services, whether it's 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 you know for for your vehicle or for cell phone or whatever it may be, you'll get a check back and say, "How is our service? Is everything fine?" We can't we can't even do that for inoculation that for an experimental inoculation, 
What's wrong here? That's not right. Right? And I picked that up. When that doctor told me that, within CARES, I remember one of the nurses that, that first, you know, helped create the forms said that to me. When we, she's like, Max, every time we give out new biologics to the public, right, because we're contracted to do so, we do, we do active surveillance. We check with them to see how they're doing, just like we, you would do in a clinical trial. So why are they doing it this time? Good question. And that's something that should be brought up in, 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 at an inquiry. It's something that should be brought up in, in, in court cases. It should be something that should be brought up by the media. But why isn't it happening? Politicians should, should be speaking up about it, right? Why, why isn't it happening, right? And I'm not just saying the liberals. I'm talking about all politicians. Mm. Whether, it's, whether, whether they're green or blue or, or purple or whatever, it doesn't matter. Right. And that's part of the problem. What we've seen for the last couple of years is everybody's an expert on everything, but nobody's willing to sit down at the table and have a respectable conversation of, of the subject or whatever subject it may be related to COVID-19 that's been happening for the last couple of years. And that's part of the problem. There's been division on it. You know, it's very visible. We know it, you know, from, you know, individuals like Justin Trudeau. Or, or, or Theresa Tam or whoever it may be, but there is still some language and some approach that for me, when I look within the movement, let's say, uh, is also divisive and whatnot that concerns me. And that's why it's had been hard to bridge that gap to be able to sit down and have that conversation. You know, most people won't say it, but I'll say it. Uh, but I can give you more details of what we're seeing in terms of, of safety signals that, that, uh, if you if you want, yeah, also. please do. Yeah, we got to that. We got a little bit off track uh, going on in other things that were maybe important to to speak yeah. up. But yeah. run uh, us through the data. So yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll give you a little sample. So what we did about a month, a month and a half ago, me and uh, one of the doctors within Cares, uh, we presented to the Canadian COVID Care Alliance uh, roundtable. Uh, you know, presentations uh, that they have usually every Wednesday evening. So. I would, you know, as usual, I'm always very busy, but uh, I, I, I felt compelled that we needed to, to, to display some type of sample at the very least. So this is just a sample of what we're seeing, right? Uh, so I, you know, I started in the morning and we're, uh, we were presenting a, in the evening. So I was able to go take a sample of 236 reports that we received. Okay. Now from, so... If you ever looked at the first form that we have of people reporting to us, there's different data points, different things that we ask individuals. Now, one thing as an example, um, for the age group, okay? So out of those 236, uh, from 12 to 19, there was five individuals that, that reported to us that were from 12 years old to 19 years old. 20 to 29, there was nine. Uh, 30 to 39, there was 15, 40 to 49, there was 8, 50 to 59, there was 65, 60 to 69, there was 35, 70 to 79, there was 15, right? So um, it could be something irrelevant. Okay, vaccine type Pfizer, uh, there was 147 
uh, reports that we received that came from Pfizer, Moderna, there was 55, AstraZeneca, nine, uh, Janssen or Johnson & Johnson, there was 11, and uh, a mix of those was 14. Um, and always, we also have a grading system, right? So how severe is the adverse event? So there's, there, that's something that we, that we look at, right? So uh, grade one being mild, Grade five would be uh, somebody passing away, somebody dying, right? Uh, two would be moderate, three would be severe, four would be life-threatening, right? So uh, out of those, uh, grade one mild would be 22, uh, moderate would be 87, severe, uh, grade three would be 99, grade four, uh, uh, life-threatening would be 19, and uh, there was eight... Uh, eight deaths by, uh, out of that sample of 236. So it gives you an idea of what we're seeing statistically, right? Um, people that needed medical uh, attention uh, required, uh, requiring medical attention. There was 112 that needed uh, uh, medical attention from a healthcare practitioner. Uh, 116 of them uh, needed urgent care. Um, and eight of them did not need any attention from the from medical care. So that's out, out of 236 uh, systems affected. We have, um, you know, we again we we have all the different systems of the body that, that uh, we also you know uh, collect the data to see which systems are affected, right? Lymphatic or, or cardiovascular, etc. Right, so. Uh, out of that 236 uh, uh, report sample, uh, so there was uh, 48 that only had one system affected, uh, two system affected, there was 64, uh, three systems affected, there was 62, four systems affected, 25, five systems affected, there was 19, Six uh, systems affected was 14, and seven systems affected was four. And out of that 236, there was 124 that had neurological issues, whatever that may, may be. Right? So it gives you a little bit of an idea of what, what it is. Onset time, one to seven days. Uh, there was 149 that it had happened within one to seven days. Uh, 8 to 14 days, it was 42. Uh, 15 to 21 days, it was 11. 22 to 29 days, it was 4. And over 30 days, it was 30. So it gives you a little bit of an idea of what we're seeing. How many man hours did it take to acquire that data to the, to the depth that you've got it? A lot of hours. A lot of hours. Personally, uh, I've been doing this seven days a week. I don't, I haven't taken a day off. There's, you know, answering emails, answering questions from health intake facilitators within CARES, uh, meetings, whatever it may be, you know, and, and, you know, and I, again, I'm not the only one behind CARES. Like I said, there's, there's nurses, there's, there's chiropractors, physiotherapists, medical doctors, um, you know, uh, people with PhDs in science, um, et cetera, right? So there's been a lot, a lot of work uh, going in the background, all volunteer, um, 
you know, and it, it you know, we're, we're, nobody's taking any funds and there's no funds to even to take from this. We, uh, to be honest, I think we've, I don't know if we, we received a thousand dollars in donations in the last year. And there's still about $400 in the bank account. Right. So mm -hmm. we do it all out of, uh, out of the kindness of our heart to be able to, to expose some truth, give some support, get some validation for people that had adverse events. And, uh, you know, we, we, we don't, we don't come out, you know, bragging about anything or, or, you know, anything we, we just, just wanting to do the right thing. We, we, we have a very strong code of ethics within cares and we're, it's not about, you know, ego, uh, which we've even seen within the movement, um, happening in power struggle. We're not about that. You know, we're just trying to do the right thing for Canadians. Yeah. You're just trying to help people, give people somewhere yeah. to go. Um, yeah. and be able to expose the truth. Yeah. So your, your sample size is 236 people. Um, at is well, there's the more last... report. There's more reports than that, right? Well, just yeah, that was, that was the this question. So your sample size is 236. How many reports yeah. have you guys filled out thus far? Uh, we're, we're in the four digits. Mm -hmm. And the reason I won't disclose the actual number and some people are like, you know, uh, why, why don't you, why don't you say that? It's again, from past experience, uh, finding, you know, um, to expose the truth on controversial issues that I've experienced, you never, ever, ever show all your cards. Because if you show all your cards, you're giving the opposition the opportunity and time to be able to twist it in their favor or be able to have a reply to it. And you don't, and you don't want to do that. You want to, you, for me, I've, 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 you know, uh, I've always been a, a firm believer of that. And you always only want to show the strong cards when the door is open, when there is a platform that that can be displayed either in a class action lawsuit, in court cases, or at an inquiry. And we're not there yet. We're, mm -hmm. we're getting there. Unfortunately, should have been faster than this. But there's no point of, 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 of displaying these things if, if the door is not open to be able, because they're all, our only way we're going to be able to expose the truth and sway politics within the country and even judges' decisions when it comes to court cases is to sway public opinion, right? Even in court cases, you'll hear judges. Now, and I've talked to many, you know, that have been a part of legal actions um, where, you know, the judge will rule and say, well, this is what public health says. So I'm going with that, which should not be, right? Because, again, it gets political. Law should be law. And the judge should be just following the law. But that's not what's happening. Yeah, public health right. mandate. Public health is not an extension of law. Is that correct? As far as your experience for sure. can, can speak? I for mean, sure. you're not a lawyer, but no, for sure. would that yeah. be a fair statement? Yeah. Oh, fair statement for sure. Law should always be detached from, 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 from politics and, 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 and whatever departments that's, that's within the government. Law is law. It's, it's what's written there on paper. That's the agreement. That's what it should be. And the judge should be ruling just based on what's there in the law. 
Um, and if, and, if, if there's any concern that he, that he or she as a judge is not in a position to be able to, uh, to be clear or to make their decision, it should be welcome to have public debate within the court on the subject. Investigating. That's that's part of the judge. The judge judges basically should be there to moderate the investigation. That's why right. that's what a commission basically is, is set up for a tool, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so, go ahead, David. No, no, go ahead, Zach. Go ahead. So you uh you said earlier, um, I believe it was either ninety or ninety-five percent. Uh you you from what you've been able to gather, either ninety or ninety-five percent of Adverse events are not being reported through the government infrastructure. How yeah. do you come up with that number? Just, just from the reports we're getting. Like we, so do you? I, I, you know, obviously we have access to the data, right? So it's just a matter of looking because we asked that question, right? Were mm-hmm. you able to have it reported? You know, mm-hmm. in more detail than what I'm just telling you here. But that question is is asked from on the first forum on the second forum when the individuals uh, do the follow-up you know interviews that's that's asked again in more clarification and then we even have a third forum a second follow-up forum which again it's more so active surveillance than what the government is doing but that's what we're getting that's where i'm, I'm getting that number from is from the reports we're getting and asking that question were you, did your family physician report it yes or no basically mm-hmm. And if you right. reported, do you know if it was accepted, yes or no? Right. You know, okay. In a nutshell. Fair. Fair. Um, have your, um, I forget the terminology you used to, to, to speak about them, the, the people who are interviewing these, these people with adverse events, have, have your people disqualified anyone? Um. Some it's it's hard to prove. Like there's there there you know most of them there's there's clear signal that there's something that has happened. Some of them be very hard to prove. Example, and I can speak on that because same as me. Like I I I was injured by the H one N one vaccine, and I went to see a family physician the first time when I started getting really sick. And the doctor said, oh, you just have a high fever, just go home, blah, 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 right? And a few days later, I got very, you know, severely worse. I went to see the doctor again, another doctor, and he said, oh, just go home, blah, 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 right? So there's no medical documentation tr- to trace it back. And I just basically had to deal with it on my own. I talked about it with friends, with, with, with family members, you know, and it, it just, I just fell through the cracks, right? So how do you... How, it's very hard to prove for some people, for, for some people that never had pre-existing conditions before, medical conditions. Uh, and, and, and then they take, as an example, they'll, they'll take the first inoculation for COVID-19 and something happens, right? They have, you know, partial paralysis of the face, Bell's palsy, whatnot, right? Um, and then, you know, for whatever reason, and we've, we've seen that people take the second shot and it gets worse. Right or heart problems or whatever it may be, right? Like there's there's clear evidence there that there is something going on there. Mm-hmm. If you had no pre-existing conditions before medical conditions, and all of a sudden you take this, well, what changing in in, in the body's environment? Right. 
So yeah. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. So first, again, just, just uh, uh, you know, after seeing all that, yes, there is some individuals that uh, it, it's hard to prove. Maybe because one of the reasons is they had possible pre-existing conditions. They took the inoculation and it didn't get severely worse than what it was before, but it just got maybe a little bit worse. So how do you prove that? Yeah. It becomes there, there has to be a mechanism in place and tools in place to be able to do the investigation at, at, at a medical scientific level on, 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 you know, at that, when it comes to that, you know, instance, but again, and again, we, we, we have the actual individuals that will report to us. And, uh, unfortunately it happens. That's just the nature of, of, of humans. Nowadays, we have people that report to us that turn into unicorns and, uh, grow hoofs and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we just, <laughs> we just delete them. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. David, did you have a question? Yeah. I'm just interested in, as you're collecting this data, you're getting this sense of what's happening. What's the most common thing that you're coming across Let's take it away from the individual, which is so important, obviously, in this is that we're caring for the individual. We're connecting the individual with people who believe them. All this is so important. But if we just take a step back and look at the society-wide situation. So you've seen a lot of cases. You're going to have a good sense of, of what's happening here. What is hurting people the most? Are we seeing more heart problems, blood clotting, paralysis? What are these, what are these adverse effects generally looking like if you're like well that that seems like a an adverse effect that i've seen a couple of times now medically um heart issues neurological issues i think is the worst like there there it, it's it's the most common one like there, brain fog or or brain what? fog or worse or strokes like i one individual that I that I've I've come to be friends with, you know, probably had uh, a mix of of about four hundred uh, seizures and strokes, many strokes since the inoculation, right? Yeah. So imagine so, living that, right? So, um, and you're seeing that as the most frequent neurological, yeah, neurological, yeah, either it's strokes, thrombosis, whatever it may be. There's there's a lot, a lot of, a lot of that. For whatever reason, we've heard, uh, you know, that there's, there's the, the, the you know, I, I, I'm very careful with my words, right? Because at the end of the day, everything is on the World Wide Web, stays there forever, right? So, absolutely, um, absolutely, right. So there, there's, we've heard talks of the spike protein having the lipid nanoparticle be able to cross the blood-brain barrier, right? So, you know how, you know, I, I can't prove it myself, but. Is is that what's going on? Yeah, I mean, we, we don't know, but we. I'll leave it. But we've heard it a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've we've heard the same things, but you know, I'm not a doctor, <laughs> um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and I am not giving medical and advice. What, uh, yeah, and and one thing I I, I want to you know take the opportunity to say that um, a lot of people that are that had adverse events or possible adverse events. Um, <clears throat> chokes me up just to think about it. It, it. It's 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 not just what's going on medically within them, right? Um, it's what what it has done to their lives, 
when you yeah. sit down and you listen to their story uh, of, of, you know, I'll, I'll just, you know, rant a few ones that, that comes to mind, right? Like, a, 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 you know, a mom that, uh, you know, was a, uh, you know, an engineer and, uh, you know, good career, single mom, two kids, lost her career, can't work no more because of the injury, can't get any help, uh, can't work, uh, can't get EI no more, basically on, on, on social assistance and having to go to the food bank to feed her kids and nobody's there to help her. Right. Or, or, uh, you know, having, uh, you know, a, a young woman basically told that, uh, the inoculation was not the cause of the, the uh, miscarriage. And then, oh, uh, the family physician basically tells them to take, uh, the second one and gets pregnant again and gets the stillbirth. Right. And then, you know, goes for help and uh, basically ridiculed by the family physician. Imagine the mental impact, the psychological impact of what these people are going through every day. We've had people that reported to us that here in between, between, you know, being in, in the world that we're in, that has, that, that, that committed suicide over the trauma of what they went through and what did, you know, having been coerced or trusting the system that what was being done and being provided to them was the, the proper thing to do. And then when something happens, the system's not there for them. And they're left on their own with not being able to work and having no support, being ridiculed by their family physicians, by public health, by politicians. Canada's supposed to be better than stake that. Of, stake of mind. And every day, a lot of them go to bed wondering if they're going to wake up the next day. And the, the stories that we've heard of, as an example, uh, 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 what is it called again? Uh, enhancement. Uh, um, antibody uh, uh, antibody enhancement. dependent enhancement. Yeah. Right. So these things that we've heard and we've, 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 we've seen peer reviewed papers of what has happened in clinical trials for when they tried to create inoculation for a coronavirus, that what happened to the animals in those clinical trials, they've seen those papers too, because they went researching because nobody was there to, to help them out. And, you know, again, we have some of that on the website. We have over a thousand, you know, peer reviewed papers. It's all there. So they've been looking at that and they have that in their mind and their memory now that, okay, well, this, if this is what happened every time in clinical trials where I created inoculation for, for coronavirus, and I took this, Am I gonna am I gonna die next next week, next month, next year because of what I took? Imagine the psychological effect that they're going through. Yeah, it's massive. It's it's insane. Um, okay, so for people who feel as if they have suffered some adverse re event, how do they get? Yeah connected with you guys? How do they get in touch with a doctor who can talk to them? How do they get through the system so that they can get heard and, and start the conversation? Well, we, we have a website. Uh, it's uh, www.cares, C-A-E-R-S, stands for Canadian Adverse Event Reporting System, .info. Uh, there's the, it's pretty straightforward on the homepage. They can submit their report. Um, and then they can choose to either have a follow-up with the health intake facilitators within CARES, uh, you know, to share their story, to get validated by a healthcare practitioner. Um, 
and then uh, you know we, we have resources there resources there for for uh, for self treatment protocols that uh, they can and, and again it's a little bit clinical let's be honest right uh, still at this point uh, we, we refer people for treatment uh, um, to uh, an organization called Canadian COVID uh, Telehealth. Um, and we, we also encourage them to reach out to beyond just their family physician, right? Um, it's, it's complex. Like if, if I had, let's say, Elon Musk's money, well, you know, I'd pay for it all. CARES would pay for it all, you know. The team would pay for it all, but we, we, we can't do it. And then at the same time, there's, there's, there's treatment protocols out there. And I support, you know, in investigating how to be able to treat the symptoms and, and try to get people detox. But at the same time, we got to be honest, you know, it's still clinical where nobody knows for sure how these things work. And I've, I've, you know, I, I, I've been in meetings with uh, individuals such as Pierre Corey and they said themselves, you know, this, this thing we, we taught, you know, it worked for everyone. Sometimes it doesn't work. It seems to even make it a little bit worse sometimes. So, um, hmm. so yeah, so, so people have resources there on the website and then they have, have a, a safe place to get validated and, and resources from there. And uh, we try to direct them the best we can, given the resources that we have and the support we have, right? Yeah. Well, Max, I, I want to thank you personally for all the hard work that you and your team are doing. Um, this is something that is not talked about enough and it is something that is not publicized enough. And the the individuals who have suffered adverse reactions are perhaps the most gaslit people in our country right now because you, you can't talk about it. You're not allowed to talk about it. You get censored to talk about it and, and shut up, you're wrong. And I just can't even believe that people who are injured by something like this within our country, Canada, that's supposed to be the country that takes care of its citizens. I can't believe that they have been put in the situation that they are in. And so I want to thank you for trying to help these people because that's a very Canadian thing to do. And uh, I appreciate your example. You're welcome. You're welcome. One thing, uh, one other thing I'll, I'll bring up is last week we, uh, you know, we, we do things and we don't, you know, make it out everything public. But last week we, uh, we were able to, uh, to file an application for an injunction uh, against inoculation for kids uh with some lawyers so we'll see how where that goes but it's official uh and we're working on other you know in talks with other law firms and other lawyers to try to find there's any avenue it's very complex to be able to because there's certain laws in place it's very complex to be able to get around but we're working on things and uh i'm sure you'll hear more of what we're doing uh when it comes to other things that you both know are a little bit aware of but mm. uh don't worry, we're, we're, we're not going to give up on the people, um, people that are injured. And uh, if, they're, if they listen to this, don't worry. Like, uh, we're going to fight for you. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not giving up. <clears throat> um, it's been a year, but uh, yeah. Well, thank you, man. Bless you. Um, we appreciate what you're doing. And uh, yeah, guys, if... Uh, if you need to get a hold of cares, you know where to find them. We'll put the the um yeah, the all the URL in the, in the show notes. In the show notes. Yep. You can just click that link right there and it'll take you right to the people that Max is, has has put together and uh get yourself some help because Canada's behind you. Don't forget that. Canadians take care of one another and you're a great example of that, Max. So thank you for for being a true Canadian, showing us the way.
you're welcome and i hope that it uh you know it goes viral right it's it's something that i've i've, I've been voicing for last year and everybody you know and, and i respect people fighting for their their rights and freedoms you know according to the charter and all these things right and it, it, it's hard for some people to to look themselves on the other side and see how the other side is is seeing them right and if if even if you don't truly honestly like want to you know, put a lot of time to try to help people that had adverse events. If you want to bridge that gap to open the discussion, show that you also care about people that took the vaccine. They're not just all sheep and brainwashed and stupid and got what they deserve, right? If there's anything in my perspective that will that'll get people together is to start caring for one another beyond just what, what side we're in. I agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's get, let's make this go viral. Let's, get, let's, let's do it. Do it. Again. <laughs> well, thank you everyone for right. being here. You know where to find the info, get in touch with Max's team. And uh, yeah, thanks everyone. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Canadian story. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at the CAD story. That's the CAD story. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends and family. Let's work together to remind Canadians how great their country is.